Well, we own her. I was at Kramar Chuck's Deli on the East Bank, um, though the owner himself notes the Ukrainian pronunciation fell, uh, finishes more with a chuck than a chuck, but Kramar Chuck's, okay, so I had the Kowalska grinder, okay? Um, now, there's a variety of things I could have had, but I went for the grinder, and uh, it had an addition to its regular ham. It had, like, lots of tasty salted pig products. Hot capicola, sopressata, some provolone, lettuce, tomato, red onion, Italian slaw, and a Vienna roll. Crust was there. It was perfect. Peppers as an option. Yes, please. Bowl of potato leek soup at checkout. I added an order of homemade chips. And the clerk just cut me in half with a tired look. Like, why didn't you order that earlier when you were in line? I sat down one bite, and I knew it was love. It was messy. It was spicy. It was a hunk of bread. It was just absolute perfection. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. If people understand the way God has revealed himself and how the people wrote what they wrote, think like an authorized biography where the writer is given access to the subject, can ask anything they want, and have permission to write anything they want, as long as it's true. That's what we have. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, If we want to understand about God, then this is what the Bible does for us. The biblical authors do for us. If we want to understand general stuff around God, just look outside. Outside testifies to who God is. If you want to know specific stuff about God, then look inside, look here. And specifically, this word expresses something very, very powerful, this word love. If we want to say that the idea of joy is rooted in the work of God, and if we want to say that the amount of peace that we have in our lives is evidenced by the peace that flows out of us, and if hope is rooted in the sense that God likes me no matter what, even when I am not likable, then love Love just might be the zenith of how we describe God. And I know for those theologians out there that that look at other integrating motifs of who God is, I respect those. I, I even embrace those, right? And if you want that discussion, listen to last year's sermon on love. Because love is actually God. Because God is love. Love, we've defined it before, right? The total commitment, you know it, right? The total commitment to the betterment of another. That we should be engaged in love. That love comes from God. God is love. And it's absolutely amazing when we embody this word. Many of the attributes about God are rooted in the reality that God sets the definition for the word. A high mark for any given word. 
So when we say God is holy, God defines holiness. When we say God is righteous, God defines righteousness. When we say God is gracious, he defines what it means to be full of grace. When God is merciful, you get the picture. God is love. God loves first. God acts first. And in verse 9, we have this plain articulation. In this, the love of God was made manifest, okay? The love of God was made plain, was, was understood, that the love of God was laid with great specificity. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. The sending of the Son, the Christmas story. Another way of saying it, the signature moment of God's being, God's embodiment of love, God's high mark for defining love for us is the Christmas story. The baby, Emmanuel, Jesus. On Thursday, I was coming back from helping a friend move some snow, and, um, and so I came up to uh, uh, Nashway off of uh, East Hubert Lake Road. I brought my chainsaw with because I had to cut a tree to get through East Hubert Lake Road. Um, all the people who are on East Hubert Lake Road, you can thank me. I opened up your road for you. It'd be nice if the people on East Hubert Road were more thankful. They're, they seem to be just kind of unhappy people sometimes, and I'm not quite sure what that is. At any rate, so I'm coming back, right, and I come up to that little T, and, and there's two cars parked, okay, right next to each other, two friends talking to each other, and uh, one individual has a, a, a white Tahoe, it's an older white Tahoe, it has the bumper sticker, don't laugh, it's paid for, and so I pull up alongside of it to go around it, because I didn't want to make a move, I'm not wound up, it's not a big day for me, I pull up alongside of him and, and try to sneak through, and the tail end of my little ranger kind of like pops over, and I just kiss, just kiss his left front quarter panel. And I'm like, ah, come on. So I get beyond him, and then I go, and he's still talking to his buddy, and I go to his left front quarter panel, and I kind of like rub it, took my hand out of my glove, rub it. I didn't make any damage, okay? So I walk around to his door, and he's like, hey. I'm like, hey, I just uh, kissed your left front quarter panel. He's like, don't worry, I'm not worried about it. I'm like, well, that's cool. That's really, really cool. But say that I had hit him harder than a kiss. Say that I had done damage. What would I do next? Would I drive away, attempt to avoid any consequences from my actions? Would I stop, give my insurance information to him, get his name and number so I could call my guy to have my guy call his guy? And if it was judged to be severe enough, I'd probably call law enforcement so that a record could be created. Oh, and before of all that, I would first determine whether or not someone had gotten injured, right? Because if someone had gotten injured, then I would want to call, administer first aid or call 911 so that we could get appropriate medical care, right? Is that roughly what I should do? Is that, that's, that's a good, okay, that's a good list, right? I love fancy words. Inchoate, conflate, precipitate, conflagration. Propitiation is another one of those fancy words. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation 
is the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone or something. Propitiation is stopping when you've caused an accident or a mishap or more than a kiss on a left front quarter panel. It's what you need to do after you've messed up. And over the course of my life, I've been very familiar with this concept in any number of ways. Very personal, very close, car accidents, propitiation. It's, what you, it's just what you do when you've messed up. It's a big word, decidingly easy concept. But here it's used just a little bit different. Here it's different, and that difference is in keeping with the notion of God acting first, God loving first. And here, a non-offending third party is actually the entity offering the propitiation. The son volunteers volunteers for this role before the people whom God loves are even aware of the need. And in the fancy word of verse 10, we have Jesus saying, I'll make things right with the Father. I'll make things right with my dad so that you, me, and the Father can have a relationship. If God loves like this, committed to the betterment of another, then the argument is that we should love. Beloved, if God so loved, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What do you love? What, what do you love? What do I love? What should I love? Like the last couple of weeks, peace and joy when they flow out of us, exists the evidence, proves the point that they are truly in us. If we've experienced God's love, then it would only follow that we love. Does love flow out of us? Back to verse 7, doing this thing, right? Love, its origins rooted in God, if God loves, then, then the implication is I'm going to love. And when I love, I demonstrate my origin, how I was created in an act of love, and my present, how I should behave. And likewise, an absence of love also has a very specific implication. Verse 8, again, the litmus test. Anyone who does not love does not know God. best example for the existence of God is when God's people love. Best example for questioning the existence of God is 
It's when we don't love. So much, so much of what is wrong is simply because love as defined and embodied by God is not practiced in his creation. We live in a society where so many things are a better first response. Frustration, anger. I wrote this article this last week. It's a Buddhist quote. (laughs) You should regard anger like stale urine mixed with poison. (laughs) There's just like so much about that statement (laughs) that you're just like, stale. So what? I think you get the idea though, right? I'm like, I don't want to go too far with it, but it's like, it really is like, it really. How many times? How many times do we respond with frustration or anger? And why do we think that will be successful? To quote the great theologian, Ms. Bonnie Raitt, I can't make you love me if you don't. I can't make your heart feel something you won't. But perhaps to quote an equally great theologian, Ms. Alicia Moore, what if we could learn to love again? The purpose of the incarnation is that we would abide in him and that he would abide in us. And this would be evidenced by this commitment to love one another. Embracing this love is then our voice. Our anger won't change the world. Our frustration won't change the world. Everything that we think is wrong with society won't change the world. When God wanted to change the world, what did he do? He loved Embracing this love is then our voice. You want to change the world around you? Love. Quit being angry. Quit being frustrated. Quit having the world be against you. When we embrace this love, this is our voice. When we describe the efforts of the Father sending His Son to save the world, what does God love? God loves people. And loving people tends to be a messy business. And loving people is often full of disappointment, often full of frustration, often full of events that can cause anger. God's like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I know, I know, yeah, yeah, you are describing it. But still, God loves God loves people even when it is messy. Why would we think that anything less than that would be successful? What does it mean to love our world? Not not the world, okay? Not not the but 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 our world. My world, your world, our our our, our sphere of influence, right? Are we committed to the betterment of those around us? 
say that, that, that God has graced you with the ability to sit next to someone this morning with someone that you love. Do you truly love them? Do you think about their betterment? Do you operate from a perspective of love? Are you aware of what that person loves? Do you at least like what they love? The purpose of the incarnation, to abide in him and he in us, this commitment to love. And and the question, right, is, is it enough? Is God's love enough for us? I mean, this is a particularly interesting question when we face adversity. When life is seemingly at its most difficult. Even in those times, is it enough to experience the love of the Father in our lives and to allow that to flow out of our lives? Is God's love enough for us? Is having salvation, is having Jesus with us enough? Is living in this way, abiding in Him, enough? For some of us, the challenge can be great. And we can be encouraged on a Sunday morning, but the the question becomes, how do we live tomorrow morning? How do we demonstrate to a world that is so full of hurt and pain that the best solution isn't more hurt and pain? That it's love. And I get it's messy and it's gooey. And you're likely, I'm likely to be taken advantage of. Fair enough. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Abide in my love. What does it mean to love? It's messy, it's gooey. I was at Kramarczak's Deli in Minneapolis a week ago Friday. Ordered the Kroaska grinder. Love at first bite. Please pray with me. In the quietness of the moment, I invite you to do business with God. Think about the interactions this last week. Think about the times that you didn't respond with love. Think about the times that you responded with frustration or pain or anger or contempt. Now ask God to forgive you for those interactions. 
I know I can mask it. Father, forgive me for the times this past week when I responded with anger and frustration and contempt. God tells us that if we confess our sins, he forgives us. And now for the upcoming week, oh great God, help me to love. Help us to love. Help Christ to abide in us. Help us to abide in Christ. Help us to love.